The world as we know it has fundamentally changed. What was once considered the future of work is here now. We are operating in an all-digital, work-from-anywhere world. More and more consumers are supporting brands that align with their personal values. It's the values-driven firms that will rebound sooner and grow faster in this new world. Salesforce has partnered with Singapore Community Radio to bring you this podcast. We want to explore the opportunities and the challenges of this new world. We want to talk about the ways in which we will work going forward, how businesses can be a platform for change, and how technology will continue to impact the world. We have some amazing thought leaders, executives, and community advocates joining us, and we hope it sparks some inspiration and innovation for you. To learn more about us, you can head to our blog at salesforce.com/ap/blog. Welcome to season two of the Future of Work Now podcast by Salesforce. My name is Heiko Fahim, and I'm your host for this season of the podcast. Uh, in the first season, we covered business as a platform for change, but this season uh, we're focusing on all things digital. Uh, so we've themed this season as all digital work from anywhere. Uh, and to start this podcast season, uh, we can't ask for a better guest to be on the show. So let's say hello to Vala Afshar. Uh, he's the chief digital evangelist at Salesforce, who's joining me on this call all the way from Boston, Massachusetts. So how are you doing, uh, Vala? Thanks for spending your early evening with me. Good morning, Heiko. Thanks for having me. Thank, thank you. No. Uh, Vola, you are the chief digital evangelist at Salesforce. So um, for people who don't quite know what that is, i.e. me, <laughs> uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your role and what is it that you do? Yeah, it is, uh, it, it's an awesome title. Uh, I wish I could give myself credit for the title, but it was a title that was given to me. You know, I think I was auditioning for this role for... Uh, you know, well over 12 years. Uh, my company and I became Salesforce customers in 2003. Mm -hmm. And at the time, the company was only four years old and we needed to find a customer relationship management tool to help improve our company. So, and I'm Boston-based and Salesforce headquarters in San Francisco, but a yeah. small team, including myself, ended up choosing Salesforce to run our business. Fast forward to uh, 2015. So for 12 years, we, you know, we transformed our business by leaning into CRM as the center of gravity for my company. And the company grew by 3x during that time awesome. in terms of annual revenue and, and employees. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, I was a head of customer service as chief customer officer. Mm -hmm. And then I transitioned to run uh, and lead our marketing as the chief marketing officer. And that was my title before I joined Salesforce. Now, during that 12-year span, you know, uh, we had tremendous success. So I ended up writing a book about how to use CRM to uh -huh. grow your business. Uh, the book did well. So people asked me to write articles expanding on the book. So I started writing articles and, and I was active on social media and I started a podcast. And so I was naturally telling stories about the importance of digital transformation and culture and people and, and processes. And five years ago, uh, I had the good fortune of uh, Salesforce uh, asking if I would be interested to continue to share stories as the first evangelist um, for the company. And um, so I joined and, and part of being a storyteller, 
uh, in a technology company means you have to conduct research to understand the micro and macro trends in terms of technology and business models and, and various industries and lines of business. So I, I conduct research mm -hmm. and then share your uh, findings, your learnings. Uh, uh, I do that with writing and, and speaking. Uh, but the, you know, the biggest joy I have as an evangelist is I get to work with trailblazer customers, business partners, employees, and bring all of the you know, lessons learned in terms of how to build a hyper growth company back into our business at Salesforce so we can develop products and services to meet the ever-growing needs of our stakeholders. So it's a connector and a storyteller uh, is was what, I, what I do as an evangelist. I mean, I, I'd love to have evangelist as part of my job title as well. And 12 years to audition, audition for that role in quotation marks. Uh, but digital transformation is, <laughs> you probably can see, has obviously been big during this pandemic, right? Um, what would probably take companies months and years to put in place, probably has only taken them weeks uh, during the pandemic. Um, but personally, how have you found the pandemic? You know, what has it meant for you both professionally and perhaps in a personal capacity as well? Uh, that's a great, that's a great question, uh, especially when you speak to, uh, to the pandemic personally. Um, uh, you know, we've all experienced the pandemic, all of us but each in a unique way. Mm -hmm. uh, my experience would differ from yours and our friends and family and colleagues. Uh, I have to give a US perspective uh, because that's my home. And you know, since March of this year, we've had nearly 260,000 deaths uh, in the US. Um, in fact, every minute someone in the US is dying because of the coronavirus. Um, so we are deeply entrenched and, and very much struggling with the pandemic from a US perspective. Now this experience varies by geography, yeah. but I'm giving you, you know, my point of view from, from being someone based in Boston, US. So at the same time, uh, um, I have to think about the uh, resiliency and grit that we've all shown because we're dealing with a healthcare crisis which led to an economic crisis. At one point, we had 40 million US citizens signing for unemployment because they had lost their jobs. Uh, we have a climate crisis that's hitting us very hard in, in my home country with, with fires and floods and hurricanes. And so it's, it's a combination of health, economic, uh, you know, climate. Uh, we are facing racial and inequality crisis. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a reminder uh, for us in the States. And, at the, and, and also mass um, dissemination of misinformation, mm -hmm. uh, which, which again, all of these things create a deficit of trust. Yeah. So, you know, as I think about personally and professionally, all of us are looking to ensure that we can heal and combat this pandemic, both personally and professionally, with a degree of integrity and trust and honor. Uh, and that's a challenge that continues to challenge us as a society. Yeah. Um, maybe not globally, but certainly in my, in my home country. So I'm personally grateful because, uh, you know, you and I are healthy. We're both working. Yes. So I consider that a privilege. Um, but we have a long journey ahead 
in terms of not only combating the, the, the health crisis and the COVID-19 pandemic, but also addressing some of these other crises that, 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 that are stacked on top of each other, really creating um, a layer of stress that I don't think you and I uh, and our listeners have experienced in their lifetime. Yes. Uh, so it's, it's a very unique time. It's a very, very unique time. And how do you feel that the workplace has changed or will change further in the coming year um, or so um, in terms of a digital transformation? We've seen, like I said, you know, people um, getting onto various digital platforms, making changes to, to, to the workplace environment and their processes. Um, and what will probably not have been in their business plans for years and months. Um, but how do you see the next year perhaps changing this quite a little bit? Yeah, you know, it's it's hard to play futurist, <laughs> and I'm not one. <laughs> uh, but I guess to work with futurists. <laughs> evangelist. Uh, so, you know, when I think about the next one to two years, because I think we're going to be, you know, challenged with the pandemic for another couple of years, in my opinion. It's fantastic to hear news about successful vaccines that have gone through trials. But until you can have the, a distribution model of the vaccines, you still have to social distance, you still have to be able to contact trace, isolate, identify, and, 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 um, and, and deal with the, you know, the safety issues that will face all of us. Um, yeah. So uh, reflecting on the last 10 months, yes. uh, and you know, year 2020, I agree with you. In fact, I believe we have experienced 10 years of cultural, and digital accelerated transformation in the last 10 months. Um, when I talk about um, you know, cultural transformation, who would think that vast majority of the workforce would be working remotely? Uh, you know, uh, so so I, I, my company at Salesforce, 54,000 employees since March have been working remotely. So you know, that's, that's an incredible uh, pivot culturally in terms of acceptance and then the ability to contribute successfully without being in an office. Now, again, this is a, a point of privilege. You know, you and I do not have physical dependence in terms of our jobs. We yep. can do what we do without having to be tied to a physical location. And this isn't about a knowledge worker versus someone who is not. I mean, you're talking about college, university degree professionals that have physical dependencies, like nurses and doctors, for example. Yeah. So it's, it's really physical dependency, not knowledge worker versus blue collar. So that's, that's, that's an important cultural transformation. As far as digital transformation, when I look at e-commerce, e-commerce has had 10 years of adoption in the last three, four months. Uh, you know, you know, in the US, e-commerce would represent around 15% of total commerce before the pandemic. We will be north of 33, 35% mm -hmm. of all retail transactions in 2020 on digital platforms. And of course, the pandemic was a forcing function. So there's certain lessons you have to learn in this last 10 months that will help answer your question, what will the next two years look like? One of the lessons is that every business must be a digital business. Yeah. Uh, and I think most businesses had, for example, using e-commerce, contactless payments, mm -hmm. CRM, artificial intelligence, Internet of Things, all of these technologies on their roadmap. But it was nice to have versus must have. It's now become a necessity to survive. So that's one lesson. The second lesson in business is that 
work is not a place. Yep. If you don't have physical dependency, you should be able to work wherever you are, work from anywhere. Now, to do that, you have to invest in talent, process, culture, technology, but that's an important lesson. Another business lesson the pandemic has shown us is safety now is a brand pillar. Yeah. You, your, your brand is defined by how you protect your employees, customers, partners, communities, and, and this will be something that will be a definition of brand moving forward. In fact, since the pandemic, 75% of consumers have changed brands. Three out of four have changed brands in the last 10 months because of safety concerns. Those are unheard of numbers, unheard mm -hmm. of. So brand loyalty is, 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 has been shocked yeah. uh, in, terms of, in terms of safety and convenience. So these are the business lessons. Now, technology lessons, we all had a blind spot in terms of the power of decentralization. We, like a light switch on off in, in the US, I would say in the March timeframe of this year, had to move all our businesses from office centralized to completely decentralized, completely digital. Yep. And so we didn't really appreciate the power of that. Now, decentralization and digital meant we had to really work hard as businesses, as individuals to demonstrate relevance and earn trust. And, and the way you demonstrate relevance is speed to value. How quickly can you add value to your stakeholders, your employees, your customers, your partners and communities? And a lesson there was the optimal speed to value is based on designing for movement. Oh. So companies that understood the power of decentralization had a head start in terms of designing for movement. If you're familiar with elite runners, yep. relay. The first leg of the relay is usually one to one and a half seconds slower than the second, third, and fourth, mm -hmm. because the runner in the first leg starts at a stop position. Whereas the second and third and fourth, the runners are in motion before the baton is handed to them. At start. And one, one and a half seconds in the world of elite running is like first place and last place. It's, 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 it's an eternity. The reason why Salesforce could move 54,000 employees in a matter of one or two days, all from working from home, is because we are a cloud computing first company. All our business applications are in the cloud. So we were designed for movement. You didn't have to go into an office to get your job done. You ran your business on your device. This is our remote control for life and work. So a lesson, a technological lesson was companies that were designed for movement, as an example, cloud digital native companies had a much easier time to react to this pandemic. So when I, going back to your question a year or two from now, what we were experiencing right now will most likely be the world we're in a year or two from now, meaning work will be hybrid. Yep. Hopefully, knock on wood, we'll be more successful in terms of managing and controlling the pandemic. But some of these behaviors like digital commerce, like being able to work from anywhere, these cultural and digital behaviors that have defined the last 10 months and all of 2020, in my opinion, are gonna be permanent. Yeah. So businesses now need to think about continuing to design for movement, continuing to invest in technology and really understanding the power of decentralization. And it's not so much about thinking about moving things back to where they were, right? And I totally resonate with what you were saying around, you know, taking lessons from it. I think personally as well, I've taken some lessons from 
having to work from home, for example. I think adaptability is something that I've learned a lot this year, you know, from adapting to work from home with kids around to multiple Zoom calls a day or, you know, physical events turning into multiple webinars through, through, through the months. Um, so adaptability, I think, is a skill that I've honed during this period. But do you think there are other lessons that people can take on an individual perspective um, to put in place for the digital environment that's to come in their workplaces and in the companies that they're working for? Another great question. And I do think the most important skill in the next normal, because what we'll see next will, you know, will be different than what we experience both personally and, and professionally is, uh, the, is the ability to stay teachable. That's the most important skill, teachable. Now, when you are uh, going through massive periods of uncertainty and change with unprecedented velocity, both speed and direction. So I use velocity purposefully. You have to recognize how hard it is to stay teachable. Um, I'm reminded that only 10% of patients that go through open heart surgery Mm -hmm. change their life habits. (laughs) <laughs> so even though they're going through a life, uh, you know, changing uh, an important experience, open heart surgery, nine out of 10 continue to have the same habit in terms of the dietary, the, the rest, the level of exercise. So what that tells you as human beings, staying teachable is hard because you have to not just learn, but you have to unlearn and relearn. Yeah. And when you go through that cycle of unlearning, some of the habits we have to unlearn in order to effectively have Zoom calls and work from home, and we have to build different habits and discipline to be able to do that. And, and that learning, unlearning, relearning has to lead to change. And if you can do that successfully, learn, unlearn, relearn, and change yourself, that's a superpower. <laughs> so as a hiring manager, as someone who's looking to build a successful company, I would be looking for people that can demonstrate a a good rate of learning, how quickly they can learn and adapt, like you said, and good judgment. So if you can learn fast and you can show good judgment, regardless of industry, regardless of company size, you're going to add value and it's critically important. Now, I would say the combination of all of this means it's not just IQ. So I'm not asking you to become a technologist and learn algorithms and, you know, become a, it's, 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 it's being smart in terms of, you know, our, 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 our regular definition of intelligence, but it's also EQ, those soft skills. Notice you and I have to build that empathy muscle. We have to become better listeners. We have to be yep. present. We have to be flexible. We have to be honest. So there's so many soft skills. So it's EQ, it's IQ. And I like Jack Ma's last uh, uh, element that he says, which help you earn respect and success. LQ, your love quotient. Do you love what you do? Do you love the people you work and serve? And so if you have the passion to serve and you show emotional intelligence tied to, you know, regular day-to-day work intelligence, you have uh, ability to be successful in this hyper-connected knowledge sharing economy. 
And I think LQ is something lots of people are trying to work on, you know, with the challenges that they've faced over this <laughs> entire year. Um, but in terms of the progression, in terms of, you know, the way we, we work, do you think that we have missed out on anything in particular over the, you know, the pandemic period? I, for one, for example, miss having that personal human interaction, right? Do you think that is still key in the digital era, you, you you mentioned that we're probably going to see more things move onto digital platforms and probably, you know, in places where we won't have a need for that physical interaction that, you know, we will be taking that off. So do you think that's still key, though, in, in times of, of, you know, moving forward next year? Absolutely. Absolutely. We as human beings have 20-some-odd senses that allows us to you know, gain trust, better understanding. Uh, so the element of contextual intelligence that's missing from the physical day-to-day, -day, the sense, touch, smell. You know, I, I speak to a lot of uh, venture capitalists who tell me it's very difficult to know whether they're going to invest in a startup because they're not sitting in a room with the founders. Mm -hmm. And so this digital-only engagement model doesn't give them a sense of you know their character and their and their and 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 the whole wholeness of, of of us as individuals. So, the reason why my company is working on bringing solutions to market like Work.com is so that we can create the safest possible environment, so that we can get back to that physical engagement and interactions that we're all missing. Yep. So the, the, the future will certainly will be hybrid. We will be back to going to conferences and meetings. And certainly I think we're missing incredible opportunities to identify new ideas, identify new talent, identify opportunities to grow by this digital only world that we've experienced in 2020. Now, having said that, we have developed new muscles. We have developed new capabilities that will allow us to exit this pandemic even stronger than before because we now are more familiar with newer technologies. We have new business models that we're bringing to market. We, are, we have the ability to not be constrained to global travel for you know, an hour meeting. So there's a lot of efficiencies that have been gained. We, you know, the, the United Nations believe that the ability to work from anywhere is potentially helping address 14 of the 17 sustain, sustainability development goals. So the climate is better for it. Earth is better for it. We're able to address inequality and, and, and ability to educate underserved populations with the ability to move to a digital construct. So it's not an either or, it's going to be an and, it's going mm -hmm. to be digital and in person. And in my opinion, uh, you know, we've, uh, we've gained tremendous amount of insights and capabilities. Now, having said that, <laughs> I also have to be mindful of the fact that December of last year, we celebrated the milestone of crossing 50% of the human population accessing the internet. Oh. So today, still one in two people, 3.6 billion plus people have no access to the internet. Uh, you know, countries, uh, even emerging developing countries, one in every three seconds, someone new is connecting to the internet in India, as an example, they will have a billion unique users connected to the internet in the next five years, which, wow. which means that they'll have the second largest GDP in the world only behind China and ahead of the United States. Mm -hmm. So we talk about digital, we talk about the privilege we have, 
you know, I, I recognize 13% of adults in the U.S. do not have internet access, which wow. is a stunning statistic yeah. uh, when you think about the largest GDP in the world. So, you know, there's incredible amount of access, affordable access that's ahead of us. And, you know, businesses can be the greatest platform for change. So companies like Salesforce is investing in education. We're providing education for free to anyone. The program is called Trailhead. We now have 3 million people that are actively learning about technology and leadership and business concepts using our Trailhead platform that's on the web free. And the fact that we're training 3 million active learners means according to IDC, a prominent analyst firm, the Salesforce ecosystem will generate over 4 million new jobs in the next five years and contribute to the global GDP by $1.1 trillion. Wow. So, you know, the takeaway here is all companies need to think about how they can generously help all stakeholders through education and affordable access to technology, such as AI, which should be a human right, in my opinion, help grow all stakeholders, employees, customers, partners, and communities that we serve. That's brilliant. We talked about how it's going to be an end model. So it's going to be the uh, hybrid model, right? Of not just this, not just that, but it's a little bit of both. And we've seen that progression happening. So it's not something that uh, is... Uh, people are putting in place. It's already in place right now, uh, taking lessons from how they've just gone through um, 2020, most parts of 2020. Do you think that our view of the traditional workplace coming into the office at eight, nine o'clock in the morning and leaving in the evening, is that has that been outdated already pre-pandemic? And do you think this is a, just a natural process that we are we should look to benefit from? You know, I work for uh, one of the most progressive companies in the world. And, you know, luckily Salesforce has been named by numerous third-party organizations as the best place to work uh, around the globe, not just best place to work in US, but in Europe and abroad. So so, um, as far as some of the traditional mindset of like specific work schedules and shifts, I don't see that at my company even before the pandemic. So, um, but I'm bringing, you know, I'm sharing a point of view from a highly progressive, highly employee quality of life oriented company. Uh, But I would say, you know, uh, absolutely, uh, you're you're going to see um, cultural acceptance where, you know, we've experienced work-life integration like never before. I mean, I'm in my dining room, you're you're seeing inside (laughs) my house. In fact, the last 10 months, you know, hundreds, thousands of customers and partners and, and fo- I've, I've given keynotes to conferences with audiences of thousands where they're looking inside my home. So I never thought that that would be the case in, uh, in, uh, in 2019, pre-pandemic. So, so there are certain norms that I think have changed and will now permanently define the behavior. What I think about is how important culture is in terms of a success of of companies competing in the pandemic and post-pandemic in the next norm. When you think about this hybrid model of either choosing to work in the office or working from anywhere, Mm -hmm. that's a challenge for companies because now companies are competing for talents where the individual doesn't have to work in the city. The individual is not going to only choose you 
because you have convenience in terms of telecommuting or you have a beautiful, fantastic office with beautiful views of the city or you're close to restaurants and you can work from anywhere. So now that means talent employees are no longer tied to physical location. So this flexibility and freedom to work for any company that you admire anywhere in the world. And now that's accepted. So how is a company, if they can't use beautiful office space and beautiful location, compete for talent? Well, the only way, in my opinion, that can do that successfully in a sustainable manner is to have a culture that's revered. The reason why trust is the number one core value at Salesforce is because when we think about trust, we think about competence and character. And when we think about competence, we think about capability and reliability. You have to be capable and reliable to show competence. And when we think of character, we think about integrity and benevolence. Benevolence means what are your motives behind what you do, what you speak, what you write, what you think, and your actions? Are they good motivations that inspire you to do what you do? So if you take good competence and good character and demonstrate that over time, you gain trust. So a company that has trust guiding its culture means that employees love working for a trustworthy boss and company. Customers love partnering and putting their hard-earned dollars, partnering with companies that deliver and are showing competence and reliability and good character. So this hybrid model is going to be a model that will give flexibility to all, including folks that want to work from their offices and home. But at the same time, it's going to challenge businesses because how you compete in this new world really speaks to what you think and what you say and what you do have to be aligned. That, yep. that's, that's, when, that's when you show your, your, your true self. And so radical transparency and honesty and trust is going to be a competitive differentiator. So I think the challenge is not going to be technological. The challenge is going to be cultural. And it's going to really play a significant role in terms of who you bring into your company and who you keep because every single person represents your brand. And if you hire trustworthy, passionate uh, workers, you will develop a trustworthy, passionate brand. And I think that's gonna be the key to success in the next normal. And just banging on that culture and writing on that um, culture point you just made, you're an evangelist, albeit a digital one. Um, do you think there's a way that we can see how culture would change based on how workplaces might be redesigned, might, might, might change? Because, you know, how we come into the office um, each day, we expect a desk, we expect the pantry and how, how it all looks like, how traditional offices to, to, to look like. What do you think, though, with the hybrid model, with, you know, majority of the workforce not spending their time in the office, in probably 50-50, 70-30, we don't know. How do you see the traditional office space being redesigned and how do you see it, um, or rather, what do you hope it will become? In, in the near term, uh, you know, uh, safety is the most important uh, factor in terms of reopening uh, offices. Yep. So you, we, most successful companies will invest in a command center that allows you to manage shifts 
uh, honor social distancing, be able to manually contact, trust, trace flow of uh, individuals, customers, employees, partners going in and out of offices. It's going to, so you'll have a digital passport on your smart device that says, Heiko, you're, you have permission to work from you know, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And so you need to show your digital invitation in order to have access to the office. You have companies like my headquarters is 68 floors long. So even how you use the elevator to go up and down requires shift management and social distancing. And so in the, ne in the near term, in the next one to two years, technology is going to drive and create a healthy, safe environment for people until we can combat the pandemic. So that's near term. Okay. I think that uh, our research shows that majority of people want to have a hybrid model. They actually want to be able to work in the office and at home. Only about, uh, if I recall the last research that we published a few months ago, only about 25% of respondents want to permanently work from home. So three quarters, three out of four people want to have the option of working some days in the office and some days remotely. In fact, there are, there's some percentage that want to go permanently back to the office because they don't have a quiet space. They don't have the ability to really achieve their full potential by where they are now. And offices, like you said, you know, offices at my company are amazing. You have, you know, you have a meditation room, you have all food and drink available to you at no cost. Uh, they're typically the most beautiful buildings in the center of the most fantastic cities around the world. So, you know, Salesforce is famous for having some of the most amazing workspace anywhere in the world. Yeah. So, so I can understand why, you know, 54,000 employees, a large percentage would want to get back to the ping pong tables and mindfulness rooms and so on and so forth. Uh, uh, so I spent time when I'm in the office before pandemic, we have a library. So at lunch, I would read books. We had massive amounts of books available to our employees. So there were certain perks and, and I don't think these perks define our logic, you know, our, our culture, you know, uh, you know, a, a laundry service and food and, and ping pong table. That's not your culture. Yep. It's not your guiding principles and your core values. It just speaks to how much the company cares about employees in terms of making sure that they work and, and play and, and, you know, have that balance. So to answer your question, I think you will continue to see companies invest in fantastic workspace for those companies that care about their employees. And certainly I can speak to my company as one that absolutely cares about its employees. But at the same time, I think you'll see stronger investments in technologies like cloud computing technologies, mobile and social technologies, not just video conferencing technologies, but additional technologies, for example, machine learning algorithms that allow you to enhance contextual intelligence while you're remotely and digitally engaging with your stakeholders. There's tremendous amount of investment in terms of augmenting intelligence for sales professionals, marketing professionals, customer service professionals, and IT and commerce by infusing a deep in, uh, algorithms in terms of business software applications that we use. So, uh, you know, our company is investing tremendously in terms of improving the tools we use whether you're in the office or not. So working from anywhere is gonna be a, an incredible competitive advantage for companies that are going to successfully compete in this next normal. Excellent. Before I let you go, Vala, I just have one final question. Looking into perhaps post-pandemic, what would be the one digital 
advancement that you hope for companies to embrace? Is there anything in particular that you feel that oh, if there's a if there's anything a company should be doing, this is it, you or know, it could be anything, a- anything, anything at all that you think that post pandemic companies should embrace. I mean, it's all about working from anywhere and the future of work. So, is there sure. anything at all? You know, I, I, I'd like to answer the technology piece, but before that, I think what's important is as business leaders, we have to uh, really, really uh, appreciate, uh, you know, what we're all going through. So this is why the LQ and EQ is so important. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there are no experts about tomorrow. You know, you know I, I, I have the good fortune of working with, some of the smartest people in the world. And I write about their, you know, their thinking and their view of tomorrow. But I recognize that the, the pace of change is unlike ever before. And, um, you know, so it's, it's uh, to, 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 you have to have a beginner's mindset. You know, you, you mentioned children at home while we're going yeah. through this pandemic. When you have children, you understand what a beginner's mindset looks like. Uh, they're, it's free of prejudice. Yes. You know, they don't hold on to ideas so strongly. They're open and flexible. They, they're, they're curious. They're hungry. They ask questions. Why this? Why that? And they keep asking until they're satisfied with an answer. I think there are lessons we learn that we see children with a beginner's mindset. And, and as we become adults, we become more rigid. It, that's why it's so hard to unlearn. We hold on to our past experiences and, and past lessons and by the time sometimes we realize there's a need for change and need to be adaptable, you're no longer relevant as a business or an organization or an individual. Mm-hmm. So having a beginner's mindset, I think, is really something that we need to work on because it's very difficult for us to let go of, you know, what we know and really embrace the new. And, and so don't consider yourself an expert. I think when you do, you position yourself to be potentially irrelevant over time, especially time of constant change. As far as technology, I believe artificial intelligence is electricity for business. Meaning if you don't have access to AI, uh, you are left in the dark. Um, Since year 2000, 52% of Fortune 500 companies, so Fortune 500 is the largest companies by revenue, 52% have disappeared. They're bankrupt, mergers and acquisitions, they're no longer in play. So one in two of the biggest companies in the world are gone in the 21st century, which means no company, no matter how big, no matter how successful, you're not immune to disruption. And this year has been the biggest disruptive force than anything we've experienced in our lifetime. So unfortunately, many businesses of many sizes have gone bankrupt, and this trend will continue in the next several years. So... You have to understand the impact of certain technologies in order to position yourself for success. Right now, there is uh, you know, over $115 billion of venture capital investments in, in about 4,000 AI companies. So if you look at the venture community, you understand how much uh, interest there is in smart robotics, natural language processing, machine learning, deep learning. There's about 13 categories under major categories under AI umbrella. So I believe AI is a human right because if you're an individual or an organization or a company that does not have access to AI, you're going to be sicker, you're going to be poorer, and you're not going to be able to compete in a digital economy. 
So my advice to business leaders or individuals, whether you're a student in college or you're you know, a manager or regardless of what sector, regardless of the size of your company, invest in understanding the power of AI because this technology is poised to radically uh, uh, you know, uh, transform businesses um, because it will give you power to mature uh, in terms of how you analyze data yep. from descriptive use of analytics, describing what happened in the past to diagnostic use of analytics, understanding why things happen based on data to predicting what's gonna happen. This is the first time you need to use algorithms to use data from the past to understand what tomorrow may look like, predictive use of analytics and then the last stage of data maturity, which is, look, if I can predict what the lotto numbers are going to be for tomorrow, it has zero value unless I go buy those numbers, yep. <laughs> exact numbers on a ticket. So predicting is not the final stage. It's prescribing prescriptive use of analytics to a sales professional, marketing, HR, IT, commerce, anyone in any department, what they can do right now to make those predictions come true. And the power of machine learning and AI is that businesses can now prescribe to their stakeholders what they can do right now in real time in order to achieve success. And in order to do that, you have to be able to analyze large amounts of data across multiple criteria. And as human beings, we can't do that. But in the advancements in terms of computing and storage in the last 10 years has allowed uh, us to advance as individuals using technology to be really to really answer what was what seemed to be impossible difficult questions uh, very easily. There is no new features and functions that Salesforce brings to market that's not powered by machine learning algorithms. So we are an AI company, yeah. and uh, and the growth and success of our company is going to be the result of you know infusing artificial intelligence. Um, Every day we make over 80 billion predictions using AI wow. every day. <laughs> and those predictions lead to insights to our stakeholders in terms of what they need to do in sales, service, marketing, commerce, IT, 80 billion a day. Imagine a company that doesn't take advantage of that incredible innovation. There's no way for them to compete in this, uh, in this next normal. So sorry, long-winded answer but it's a combination of cultural adapting and also understanding some of the most important technologies, emerging technologies that will define success for businesses um, in our lifetime. It's, AI is not just the next one or two years. My yeah. children's children are going to work for companies that are successful and growing based on their maturity of using artificial intelligence. That's really brilliant. Vala, thank you so much. I'll let you go enjoy your evening. Uh, I don't know whether you've had your dinner yet, but thank you so much for all that you've shared, all the insights. I think personally as well, I can take lessons from that and just put them into practice, into the workplace environment, into the professional environment. I don't know where our workplace or how that will look like uh, in the coming years, uh, but you know, we can just take insights from you and just put them to practice. Thank you so much once again. Take care. And yeah, I'll speak with you really soon. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.